Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. And the other thing is, when you think about it, who's the most trusted executive in a given company? And it's almost always the CFOs. So they're on the front lines from a communication standpoint, not just within their team, with um, their customers, with investors, with employees, and it's a public company. They're pretty visible talking to analysts and whatnot. And the reason is they have a lot of credibility by CFOs. They're known as straight shooters. You can tell it like it is. CFOs are not very good at spinning things at all, nor would you want them to be. So it's an invaluable skill set that CFOs uniquely bring amongst the executive team. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers. Now, you've just heard from this week's guest mentor, Jack McCullough, and you might recognize Jack's voice. Jack is the founder of the CFO Leadership Council, an author and also a contributor to multiple business and finance publications such as Forbes, Wall Street Journal, CFO Magazine, Bloomberg, CNBC, Fox Business Network, and so on. So we're absolutely delighted to share Jack with you. And it was also a pleasure to catch up with Jack again, having not seen him for a number of months since we last caught up in London. So what Jack does very well, and it's very much in keeping with what we're trying to do in Strengthen the Numbers, is he shares his advice from his immense network of CFOs with us. And just some thoughts he shares with us today on how he thinks the current crop of CFOs today are dealing with the various challenges of the pandemic, climate change, economic turmoil, and how these are different to what conventional CFOs had to deal with. Also, for controllers listening in and those aspiring to be CFOs, Jack shares some advice on the next steps, next right steps to take to become a CFO. Also, we touch on Jack's article in Forbes about how he described something called the agile CFO as innovative and collaborative and visionary. And Jack deconstructs for us what he meant by those terms. And also Jack reveals some of the secrets behind what Rockstar CFOs are doing, as well as the importance of ethical leadership. So a lot in this week's episode. And if you do want to connect with Jack, find links to the resources he mentions, as well as some of his key quotes. You can find that and more at sitnshow.com. And as always, we really appreciate when you share and recommend the show to your colleagues and friends. You can subscribe on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify and Amazon Music. And as always, we really appreciate you tuning in and listening into the show. So that's enough from me. So without further ado, of the Jack and the show. Jack, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. Glad we were finally able to do this. I, I, I know, yeah, because the last time we had a proper conversation was in person all the way at the start of the year. And so much has changed in between. How, how have you been doing these last, last few months? You know, it's been like the rest of you. It's been a bit of a crazy go, to say the least. From what I know about you, you're probably in the top 99% in terms of being an extrovert. And I'm the same way. Being housebound is just driving me nuts. And I used to travel quite a bit for my job. In fact, we met when I traveled to, to London at a conference. And it turns out my wife and kids actually like it when I travel. And they don't like having me around all that much. I started getting on their nerves about the second week. So the novelty wore off and they're like, Daddy, when can you travel again? So hopefully soon. 
yeah, likewise, yeah, I, hope, I hope we do get to catch up again uh, in person again soon. But I suppose for some of our audience, Jack, who might not be as familiar with your uh, journey in finance and accounting, would you mind maybe sharing with our audience that story, please? Sure, happy to. And I had what for the U.S. for people of my generation was a pretty uh, conventional path to becoming a CFO. I spent several years in public accounting with uh, the firm at the time was Pete Maurick and Mitchell. Today, young folks know it as KPMG. And I worked in the audit group there. I went to work for a client as a controller and along the way got an MBA and got my first CFO job in the 1990s and did that for 10 years or so, actually a little longer than that. And then I had to make that decision, love for money. So I'd started the group CFO Leadership Council, which was a peer group for chief financial officers. And it was just, the vision was pretty simple, only 20 people. But pretty soon we grew to hundreds of members across North America, and it needed me to focus on it full-time or to hire somebody to do so. And so I had to pick a job, a choice between a job that I really liked that paid well versus a job that I loved that candidly didn't pay very well. And uh, like the fool that I am, I picked level of the money. So here we are, we're actually in our 15th year. Congratulations. And I have to say, I've been familiar with the work of the CFO Leadership Council. Really great, great information put out there, events and so on, Jack. I suppose in terms of your membership, is it just CFOs that you have? Is it just US-based or can anyone from the globe check you out? Yeah, we're we're global and we've always had a virtual option for people because we, we don't have chapters outside the United States. But we do have members on every continent except Antarctica. And being the competitive guy I am, I actually checked on LinkedIn and there are two CFOs listed there. One of them I'm pretty sure is fake. I recognize the name from literature. It was like from a, a boat that sank or something like that. And the other is actually in Siberia. So we're going to have to go with six of them. But yeah, we, we have a great global community and it's CFOs. And we do allow people who are on a path to becoming a CFO, like a VP of finance or a controller. And they're actually a pretty vibrant part of our community. Because the thing is, I guess, Jack, nowadays is that with the, the lack of traveling around and maybe, I suppose, the opportunity to meet in per person, this whole virtual and, and connecting with e each other, that's more accessible now to maybe what it was, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. So CFOs have a much better opportunity of understanding what's working well, best practices, how they can share and learn from each other. How are you? How do you feel like the role of CFO has progressed? Are we embracing that opportunity a bit more to connect with each other, or are we still a bit shy? Yeah, CFOs often aren't the life of the party, at least at work. But yeah, they're definitely very, I, I don't know any who are introverts. I know a lot of controllers are introverts. But CFOs tend to be naturally extroverts. They're very good at connecting. And we have this thing, we actually just call it CFO Connect. And you know, it's cool when like a you know, CFO from Boston can get help from a CFO from Paris or Singapore oh. or something like that. It's just, it's a really powerful tool. And the world's really, it's, business is so global these days. And with technology, it's just easy to be in touch with people and to, to form a, a true global network. I love that idea, CFO Connect. I, I, and that's why we do Strength of the Numbers is so we can share what works, what's perhaps not working. People can figure out what a, a good career path might look like or something that they wouldn't have considered so that's actually possible it's making it a bit more real for people and reduces some of the risk because i guess a lot of us in finance by nature we probably start out as fairly risk averse and, and it's always nice to see that path now jack i was thinking in terms of your journey you sort of had a conventional start 
Given the crises and all the challenges we have now, how do you think our CFOs are doing today with, with the challenges of a pandemic, of climate change? What else are we trying to throw in there? Our economic turmoil as well. How do you feel like CFOs are doing? Yeah, they are doing it fantastic. Candidly, if this had happened to me when I was a CFO in 2002, I wouldn't have been at tremendous value out of the way the current crop of CFOs are. And that's not, I'm not self-deprecating. That's, you know, just the reality that a lot of times back in the olden days, CFOs became uh, CFOs because they were the best accountant, uh, the best at financial reporting. It wasn't because of their leadership skills or their strategic thinking. Today, it's switched a little bit. I don't know any CFO who got the job because they were a great accountant uh, currently. And if they did, that would probably not be a particularly interesting job. But CFOs, they're on the front lines. They're working hand in hand with the CEO and their fellow executives, rethinking business models and that kind of thing. They are, it's a true strategic partnership with the CEO. And the other thing is, when you think about it, who's the most trusted executive in a given company? And it's almost always the CFOs. So they're on the front lines from a communication standpoint, not just within their team, with um, their customers, with investors, with employees, and it's a public company. They're pretty visible talking to analysts and whatnot. And the reason is they have a lot of credibility by CFOs. They're known as straight shooters. You tell it like it is. CFOs are not very good at spinning things at all, nor would you want them to be. So it's an invaluable skill set that CFOs uniquely bring amongst the executive team. And, and actually, you, there was a recent article you wrote for Forbes, Jack, and it was called The Agile CFO, Innovative, Collaborative, and Visionary. Words you probably, our audience probably wouldn't have associated starting out on our, our career journeys. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I studied accounting, accounting, and for me at 18, it was probably a good choice, and I did have a good career and everything, but it is in the type of profession where it's collaborative and, and other things. It's backwards looking. You're not making things happen. You're reporting what happened after they happened. And back at one person uh, gave me an analogy that accountants were, if business was a battle, accountants didn't do any fighting. They were the guys with the bayonets that stabbed the dead bodies on the ground to make sure that they were really dead. And oh that's what people thought about. Even that, That's even what they, some person who told me that, I was a CFO at the time. And that's what they thought about CFOs at the time. They're wrong. Even then, the job wasn't quite like that. But that was the perception. I used to work with a controller who's now a CFO, and he used to take great pride in the day when his nickname was Dr. No. And not because he was a James Bond villain. It's because anytime someone asked him for money, he just said no. <laughs> it was oh. as simple as that. And he took great pride in that. But I just can't imagine that being a model for success as a CFO nowadays. And, and what I really liked was, particularly when you were at the conference together in February, you were introducing the audience to your book, The Secrets of uh, Rockstar CFOs. And not not a, suggesting you give it all the way to secrets today, Jack, but were there any one, two, three key secrets that if our audience were to start practicing and putting into their businesses, into their work now, they could see some really dramatic uh, impacts? Yeah, the one, I interviewed 40-something CFOs. From, from everything from Silicon Valley startups to Fortune 50 size companies. And there was one that every one of them talked to me about, and it was ethical leadership. And mm. it wasn't so much being ethical yourself, that's given, but it's more creating a culture of ethical accountability where ethics are actually part of the decision-making process. There's a code of ethics, and it's not just a bunch of buzzwords on a paper that you got because code of ethics means nothing. 
Enron famously had a code of ethics, but that it's actually part of how you live and you make decisions uh, with the sense of ethics in mind. And it's ethics isn't just not breaking the law, it's actually being thoughtful and whatnot. So they all talked about the importance of ethical leadership as opposed to just being ethical yourself. And then the other one, of course, would be strategic thinking. Don't think like an accountant, think like a leader. A friend of mine, Judy Romano, she once told me she doesn't think of herself as a financial executive. She thinks of herself as a cross-functional executive who happens to be a financial expert. And I think nice. thinking of yourself that way when you're the CFO is a great way to, to approach it. So, and she's a more successful CFO than I ever was, so she's probably right. No, but in fairness now, I think the work you've done with the CFO Leadership Council is, is pretty successful. They, but in terms of what your friend Judy said, I actually really like that. I think it's a really sort of place where our strengths is you don't feel under pressure to try and be something you're not. We have this background, these strengths in finance, this access to decision makers, access to data, great training on how to deconstruct a business and restate the, the financial impacts of it. Yes, but we, we bring that to the table with the rest of the business and that's where we can add our biggest impact. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, and like I said, not many CFOs got their job because they were good accountants. Not anymore. There, there was a day. And, and I suppose, Jack, we covered a few bits and pieces there. I'd love to know what's exciting you most about your current work. Yeah, it's interesting because nobody would want a global pandemic and an economic shutdown. It's terrible on every level. It has forced us to rethink our business model a little bit. And there are some things. Having a virtual model does open up some opportunities. I talked a lot. I talked earlier about how we do have some members on every continent. The fact is, outside of North America, we have about five members on most of the other continents each. We're still North American-centric, but right now, with virtual offerings, we do have an opportunity to, to develop what I believe will be the first global community of chief financial officers. If such a thing exists, I think I'd be aware of it, and I'm not. But the other thing, with we are doing CFO Masterclass in about two weeks, and we have our first ever CFO uh, speaking at this. She's from Africa. And we, the odds of us getting someone to come to a live event in Boston, Massachusetts to fly in from Africa, pretty much zero. But with it being virtual, we were able to get her and she's going to be a phenomenal addition to our, our conversation. And we've also got some fantastic speakers that maybe we wouldn't have gotten them all to fly into Boston. Some of them maybe, but we have the CFO of Twitter, Peloton. I assume they're doing pretty well. That's the exercise bike. It's sure. done phenomenal in the U.S., we have the head of diversity and inclusion from Goldman Sachs. We have the CFO of Fanatics, 23andMe. It's just, it's a fantastic roster of speakers. And as a live event, maybe they weren't gettable. They can, they love doing this sort of stuff, but they're not necessarily going to fly six hours each direction to do it for you. The CFO of Twitter, it's going to take him half an hour and he's going to just be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it sounds like a really great lineup. And what I'll do is I'll make sure we put some links up uh, for your, uh, for audience in the show notes as well so they can go check that out, Jack. Okay, so and I can give you a code if they want to attend as my guest. We can make that, that happen for you. Even more awesome. So you hear, heard it here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Keep an eye out for the, those codes. And I, I, I suppose I know you mentioned uh, the African continent there. But I guess that, that is the, the CFOs for you nowadays. I think we're used to seeing global accounting bodies, finance bodies and so on, but never really anything for CFOs. But I guess that's a community in itself now, right? It's a real it's a real achievement to become a CFO. There's only one person in the finance org who is a CFO. 
How does someone now who's listening in, who's perhaps a controller, start taking the right steps now, Jack, to become a CFO? Because they may not necessarily be able to be completely strategic in their current role, or they they might not be able to have all those cross-functional opportunities as perhaps a CFO might have with their better visibility. But where could they start taking the right steps in your mind? Yeah, sometimes it's a matter of picking the right boss. And so if you have a CFO who's willing to share what he or she knows with you, then that can be an invaluable thing. Let me help you prepare for the board meetings. Let me sit in on a couple of the weekly executive meetings. Let me do this, Mm -hmm. those sorts of things. So if you have a CFO who's, you know, actually got a genuine interest in helping you succeed in your career, that's a great place to start. You can sit in on board meetings and maybe build a relationship with those people so much the better. So those sorts of things. The other thing, every, just about everybody I spoke to in researching the book, at one point along the way, they had a mentor. And it's, the mentor doesn't necessarily have to simply be a more experienced finance person. I spoke to one woman She worked for one of the biggest consumer product companies in the world, and she was a controller for one of the bigger divisions. And she wanted to, in her next step, she wanted to be a CFO for a division. And she took as her mentor, a VP of sales from a different uh, division. And she was like probably in her early thirties at the time when she did this, I'm going to guess. And I thought that was interesting. I just asked what inspired it. And she said, look, there are a million people who have the accounting skills to be a CFO. I think what's going to really, you know, help me not only get the job, but succeed once I have it is if I can bring a customer focused approach to the CFO role. And she did get a CFO at that company. She's had a phenomenal career since then. And so think a little bit outside the box. You can learn from a lot of people, not just finance people. That's a great bit of advice, Jack. I hope we're all into taking note of that. So again, it's not just about having a mentor in finance think about outside the box of finance could be sales operations marketing uh, yeah. really simple but uh, practical advice our audience can follow that there's no there's nothing stopping people other than maybe asking that question identifying someone who'd be appropriate and willing to mentor yeah indeed and you'll find a lot of people in fact she told me they worked together like their next job the original company was gillette which got um acquired by procter and gamble so there's sort of this gillette alumni in the boston area and so they work together. And what's interesting is she runs the finance and accounting meetings and he runs the sales and marketing meetings. But once a month, they switch. So he'll <laughs> actually run finance and accounting and she'll run sales and marketing. And culturally, that's really strong because all of a sudden, uh, the S&M team has a greater appreciation for finance and accounting and vice versa. And the other thing is it does keep them, it makes both of them better broad executives. She's just not in the finance and accounting bubble because she's actually talking to the sales and marketing people that are driving business and and he's getting a different perspective as well but just continuously learn to make yourself better i think that's the main thing but i was going to say one option too is to hire a coach now that you know mentors are free coaches usually charge money but if your company can pay for it if you you know want to make the investment in your career i've never known anyone to hire a coach and regret it they can really focus you in fact i myself have an executive coach and when I was talking about it with my dad, I'll make a bit of an American reference, but you'll probably, your audience will probably get it. He pointed out to me that Tom Brady has a quarterback's coach. So he said, <laughs> unless you think you're a better executive than Tom Brady is a quarterback, you can probably benefit from some coaching, don't you think? And I, I don't think I'm a better executive than Tom Brady is as a quarterback. So that kind of made me, I'm just, he wasn't that much money, but just it's an investment in your career. So if you've got that kind of money, I'd highly recommend it. 
Yeah, I actually resonate that point, Jack, because I think a lot of our audience are very probably cost focused, and it's in you know it is a, it is an outgoing um, having a coach, but uh, I've not like yeah, I mean, yourself, right, I've not come across anyone that, that have has felt that they've lost money on, and in fact, it's been a good investment. Yeah, everybody does it, and yeah, right. it's an unfortunate time right now. Hey, go out and spend a thousand dollars a month on this. Yeah. It may be the the wrong time to give that advice, and I don't want to seem like I'm unaware of realities. But if you're in a position, I think it would be great if you could do it. I, but but I do I know, but I do think if we unpick that one further, like a lot of things, if anyone and you know, and I know there's numbers of audience who do, are aspiring to be CFOs, or even our existing CFOs at the moment. You have to think about not just your business in a strategic manner, but also your own career in a strategic manner. And if there's certain gaps that you need to overcome, you do need to invest in the appropriate support frameworks to get you there. So whether it's mentoring, which again is probably the lower cost option, but could be difficult to find the right mentor or a coach. There are options, but it's that sort of strategic thinking, applying it not just to the business, but also to your own career. Yeah. So Jack, I uh, really appreciate you giving us fantastic advice. Curious though, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? Early in my career, I got advice from a boss and I initially didn't know how to take it, but he told me to make it a point to update my, my resume at least twice a year. I'm like, Jesus, yeah. he, <laughs> what is he hinting at here? But his, but his point was, if it doesn't change in six months, ask yourself why, because it means you're not growing professionally. And that was great advice, because I actually did have a mm-hmm. six month period where I'm looking at it, it's, geez, no, I, in six months, I did my job well, but I didn't learn a thing or develop a new skill or anything like that. It, it didn't make sense to do it once a month or even once a quarter. You can just get busy and not learn new things. But if you're going six months in a year and you haven't developed a new useful skill, uh, to further your career, ask yourself why. And maybe it's time to make a move or maybe within the company or talk to your boss and switch roles. I just thought that was really thoughtful advice that he gave me. So. That was very thoughtful. Hey, hey Jack, I, I'm, lo- I'm loving the advice. It's just so simple and practical as well. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm in the not... middle. I'm actually sharing other people's advice. I don't really have any original ideas of my own. But... That makes two of us then, because with this podcast, obviously identifying people who are our mentors, mentoring our audiences and just... The great thing about this job, this role, is to actually be able to pull these bits of advice and share them with others. I think that's the kick I get is it's not just receiving and benefiting from the advice myself. You get to share it with thousands and thousands of other people. So it's pretty cool. You're just uh, you're doing a great thing sharing it, Jack. Yeah. Hey, why not? So it's, it is the career I've chosen. And I'm blessed to know a lot of really smart people who are open with me. And if I can be their microphone, I'll do it. And, and, and I suppose, look, you've probably come across a number of resources uh, that, that you found useful in reference. There may be a, a couple of resources you recommend your audience go check out. Sure. Actually, one book, let me, I can actually grab it because I read it relatively recently. It is. So you ever read this book, Extreme Ownership? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have it somewhere on my, work, my shelf behind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's well regarded for a reason. And again, it'll make you a better leader, communicator, strategic thinker, form under pressure. That would be one I'd recommend. A friend of mine wrote a book called The 80-20 CFO, which oh, is right. a really good book specific to CFOs. You can get that one probably on Amazon. And uh, but I read that's probably the best book I've read that's specific to CFOs. And I wrote a book specific to CFOs. Their book's better than mine. 
my book's pretty good too, though. And uh, you said documentaries too, right? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I just say we got a lot more time in our hands nowadays. We're not commuting. Yeah, <laughs> Borat doesn't count as a real documentary. Right? Oh my god! Yeah, gotta watch the new one. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it. It's on Netflix, I think. So I haven't seen it yet. But that was bloody genius. And he wasn't famous in the United States yet then. Like he just everybody thought it was real. So <laughs> absolutely brilliant. But on a more, I my favorite documentary is probably Apollo thirteen which Ron Howard, Tom Hanks, a little hard to beat in American cinema, but just watching how they solved one problem after another. And by the way, they did it with pretty limited technology too. Did you see the movie? I actually have seen it. And I actually saw it because I think we've had two guest mentors on the show recommend it as well. Oh boy, how about that? So much coincidence, yeah. But yeah, there's a powerful scene where the guy, you know, the calculation in the shuttle and he just, they're getting a little loopy because they haven't had the right oxygen levels for 12 hours or whatever. So he asked people at NASA to check his math. And this was in the 1960s, perhaps the early 70s, I, I forget. But they're checking it by hand. They, they didn't even have a, one of those primitive Texas instrument calculators. So when you think about that rescue and what the limited technology that they had to do with it, simply an incredible story. It also shows what, um, as much as technology is more prevalent nowadays, Jack, it just shows that even in the absence of technology, what great feats we can achieve. It's just technology is a great enabler for speeding a few things up for us and uh, double checking a few things. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, I, I like having it, but you, I mean, we're just impressed that they were able to solve problems without it. And yeah. we can't get and a little yeah. too reliant on it. That, I think that is the trick is being able to maybe unplug from it so we don't become too reliant. And I was, I was watching a show with my son last night in a similar story. This guy just started daydreaming into the fact that there was a technology coming in to do his telesales. So he was in telesales and this robot was going to take over telesales. The voice was Tom Green, the comedian. And he went into a daydream about the robots taking over the world. Just don't want to become too reliant on them. But, um, but I suppose, Jack, in terms of audience, if they wish to continue the conversation, where's the best place to connect with you at? Sure. The easiest way to reach me, I, I love texting. But my niece worked with me till recently, and when she was a teenager, she started. She said, I text more than any teenage girl she knows. <laughs> if you want to text me, I'm at 617-678-0957. If you uh, do prefer email, it's jack at cfolc.com. And feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn if you're so inclined. And I will send you a PDF of my book as well. Oh, awesome. Hey, folks, us accountants, we love the freebies here. So <laughs> keep them coming, Jack. I tried what it's and, worth. Uh, I know, in fairness, that was worth a lot yeah, more. I can't than help you with Susie's book. You'll have to pay for that one. But it's a, mine's a good book. I'm not ashamed of it or anything like that. Yes. But it's, it would be a long article in the Atlantic or something like that. But uh, hers is a, a more substantial book. So. <laughs> oh, right. thanks for that, Jack. And uh, look, Jack, I really appreciate the advice, the, the, the conversation, and actually how practical it was. There's a lot in there for audience to go follow and try out and see if it works for them, and, and, and hopefully they see the benefits from it. But before um, we let you go, would you have any maybe parting thoughts to share with the audience? Yeah, I, I guess one. I'm old enough now that I've been through a few economic cycles, and the bad ones always end. This one is particularly challenging, but... As a CFO or on the path to becoming a CFO, you have a real opportunity to make a big difference in your company. You're a strategic thinker. You're probably the only financial expert in your company. 
unless your CEO happens to be a former CFO. And you're very trusted by the world. And so get on the front lines, solve some problems, make a difference for your company. I think you'll be surprised the skills that you bring in terms of problem solving. And your company is going to be very different a year from now than it was a year ago. And you can make that difference. That's awesome. Hey, Jack, what a great way to wrap up the, the show. So thanks again for coming on Strength in the Numbers today. I'm glad we were able to finally do it. Great to see you again. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.